stay up to date on the green and gold all off season. The green and gold fix podcast is brought to you by Potawatomi casino hotel, luxury stay, elite play unwind in sophisticated comfort, win big dine and experience the events in Milwaukee. Another off-season of intrigue for the green and gold. This morning, he felt he was ready to make the actual announcement, and he said, hey, why don't you let the people know that I am officially returning to the Green Bay Packers. And a draft class full of possibilities. Physically, though, they definitely looked apart. The they definitely looked apart. All three of the guys we drafted all, uh, you know, have, have physical gifts. This is the State of the Packers, broadcasting live from Summerfest at the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Here's Alex Strofe, Gabe Neitzel, and Jason Wilder. Alongside the one and only, the man, not a myth, the legend, the uh, great Jason Wilde with me. Hi, Jason. There's some myth there, too. Is there? Well, you're I, here. I, I just, so, I, so I, I try to be, as best I can, uh, unlike some of our teammates, uh, humble and authentic. <laughs> and so I was talking to a couple of our part-time teammates over there yeah. and, you know, just conversing. One of the guys had no idea who I was. It was great. And that's what I that like that makes me happier than if they actually knew who I was. So the important part of the state of the Packers is a that one of my proteges gets to do the show with me. Uh, are you calling me one of your proteges? You are. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Uh, I, you you play music on Rutledge and Hamilton. The song is "There Goes My Hero," yeah. which yeah. I thought was an overstatement for me, but. Protégé, I think, is a good one for you, and you've done me very proud, so I'm very proud of you. I appreciate that, Jason. Well, good to see you. Good to see you out of your base. likes to give you a hard time for. Um, I also heard him call me 73 years old yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, apparently you're, right? you're, you're older than your age, is in his opinion. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, I think there's a limit to how old you want to be viewed as. 73 is a And little you're, old. what, 24? I'm 23. Okay. 23 going on 73. Yeah, that, I don't think that's a good thing at all. Uh, that that's uh, no, I don't think so. But I, I will tell you what a good thing is, though, Jason, and that would be that Aaron Rodgers, as we heard on that intro, is back in Green Bay after an off season and contemplating retirement, coming off of his uh, second straight MVP. He's back. Devontae Adams isn't, but Aaron Rodgers is, and that's 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 the big part I think for the Packers offense. Well, it's obviously an enormous part, and if you look at what's gone on throughout the league in terms of teams that don't have the great quarterbacks. They are constantly searching, you know, on Wilde and Tausch, which you can listen to each weekday, 9 to noon, on ESPN Wisconsin. Uh, Tausch loves to talk about the, the, the oasis, the mirage of you're, always, you're in this desert trying to get to that quarterback if you don't have him, and you get so desperate that you'll drink the sand. And, you know, we've got teammates at ESPN Cleveland who have lived through that for many, many years, right? I mean, Tony Rizzo and the crew over there, think about what they've been through at the quarterback position. Then they get the number one overall pick, and they take Baker Mayfield. Once upon a time, they had the number one overall pick, and they took Tim Couch. Now they've 
traded and given up a ton of draft capital, and oh, by the way, guaranteed $230-plus to a quarterback in Deshaun Watson that they don't even know is going to play this year, depending upon how significant his suspension turns out to be. But that illustrates why you are so desperate to have a great quarterback and what you the lengths you will go to to get him. So in the grand scheme of things, kowtowing to Aaron Rodgers – and getting him more involved in conversations, which is what we talked about all last offseason, yeah. is not that high of a price to pay to keep a guy that's won four MVPs and one back-to-back MVPs. No, it certainly isn't. And we talked plenty about concessions and about and about everything going on. Can you hear me? I can hear you because I'm standing next to you. Okay, that helps. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're loving the setup here at Summerfest. But nonetheless... Uh, the concessions was the big word last offseason, J- Jason. When, when we talked about Aaron Rodgers wanting to be more involved in said conversations, they bring in a guy like Randall Cobb uh, to, to make said concessions. And it paid off, right? He won the MVP. They didn't win the Super Bowl, which I think Packers fans are getting sick of sitting here and saying, eh, yeah, they're getting the one seed. They're winning the NFC North, but they're getting bounced in the playoffs, despite yeah. the MVP awards and the NFC North titles. Aaron Rodgers gives you your best chance to win. There's no doubting that. There's no denying that. But it's certainly frustrating, I think, for the fan base when it's MVPs and NFC North titles and no NFC championships or, or Super Bowl championships. Right, and I, and I understand that. At the same time, there you, you have to be understanding a couple things. One, Tom Brady and the New England Patriots and then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers wrecked the curve. I mean, they've wrecked the curve in terms of whether or not it's realistic to expect X number of titles, X number of years of great quarterback play compared to other teams, right? And so when you look at what Aaron Rodgers has done, has it been good enough? No, no. And I think Aaron Rodgers would acknowledge that. Like the 14 team that should have been in a Super Bowl and wasn't. The... 20 20 team that had the number one seed and was at home against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers should have been in a Super Bowl. Uh, The 11 team that went 15-1 and and did not advance after losing to the Giants at home at Lambeau Field in the divisional round. They have had good enough teams that you would expect them to be able to have put at least another Super Bowl berth together. So I understand fans' frustration. My counter to that is always Take a look at how the other half lives, and that's you, you have to keep perspective that, yes, you can be disappointed with what has happened since 2010. I don't think there's anything wrong with being disappointed as a fan. Nothing. You can expect more. And this team this past year that, again, wasn't necessarily the clear-cut best team in the NFL, but was they earned the number one seed, and that's what you strive for all year. And when you have it, you have to take advantage of it. And we, how many times did we hear Aaron Rodgers before the 2020 season say, I just want one NFC Championship game at home, right? Remember, they win the 2000 Championship game on the road to reach the Super Bowl. They go to Chicago. 2014, they lose it in Seattle when they have the meltdown. 2016, they lose it in Atlanta. And then 2019, they lose it in San Francisco. He wanted one home game in an NFC Championship game. Then he got it in 2020, and they didn't capitalize. And then last year, they didn't even reach the NFC Championship game, which they would have had at home had they gotten there. Right. And so I, I, I understand fans' frustration. I do. I just think... Aaron Rodgers by far gives you the best chance to win. That's an obvious statement. But 
the other problem is, unlike in 2008, when Brett Favre probably would have given you the better chance to win in 2008, <laughs> you knew what you had. You had a pretty good idea of what you had at sure. Aaron Rodgers, and you felt really good about it. And obviously that's not the case if we're doing quarterbacks as we go through our state of the Packers. That's not the case with Jordan Love. We don't know what he's going to turn out to be. We don't even know what he is right now. And it's going to be a really big training camp for him. It's going to be a really big preseason for him. And it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of growth we see from him. Because I will say this, we only got to see six practices this offseason. He did look better to me. He did. Now, not like leaps and bounds like, holy cow, this isn't the same player better. But definitely he went through his reads faster. There was some more accuracy. There were throws where he drove the ball, which I didn't see a lot in his first training camp. And so the progress is there. Would it be enough that if Aaron Rodgers breaks his collarbone like he did in 13 and 17 that they could win the division? Uh, I don't think so. But, again, maybe we won't have to find out. Yeah, well, fingers crossed we don't have to find out, right? Because as we continue to say, your best opportunity to win is obviously with Aaron Rodgers on the field. But on Jordan Love, Jason, I think something I find so fascinating over his development the last few years is that I've heard you say many times, right? With Aaron Rodgers back in 06, 07, 08, there was a few holy crap moments, right? Where you were just like, the, the, the talent's there. There's everything there you want Correct. in a starting quarterback. You clearly haven't seen that yet in Jordan Love. No, I, I, I think back to last offseason, and there was a day during, and again, Rodgers missed the entirety of the offseason last year. There was a day where Jordan Love was horrendous, like one of the worst practices I've ever seen a quarterback have. Really? And then the very next day, he had one of the best practices, the, the best practice he's ever had for sure, and one of the best practices I've seen from a young quarterback. Those are the peaks and valleys. The problem is, where is his, like, water finding its own level? And I don't think it's very high yet. That doesn't mean it can't get higher, but to your point, yes, during Aaron Rodgers' three formative years, when I would watch him in practice, he would make plenty of mistakes. He was not a finished product like he became. Mm -hmm. But there would be those oh-wow moments that you would say, okay, I can see what, what they like about him. And for Jordan Love, I haven't seen enough of those to be able to say, hey, had Rodgers come back to them this year and said, you know what, I want to try something different. Denver wants me. They were tampering with me last year, not that you'll be able to prove it. <laughs> and now Nathaniel Hackett is there, and George Payton, their GM, really wants me on their roster. I want you to trade me, like they traded for Russell Wilson, which that trade should tell you how realistic it was that the Broncos were willing to trade for Aaron Rodgers. So had he said that, I think it would have been fascinating to see what Brian Gutekunst would have done because he had kind of promised him that he would give him what he wanted, and if that had been trade me, then are you really going to be able to win with Jordan Love? The thing is, and we'll get to wide receivers, I'm sure, coming up, without Devontae Adams, they're kind of built like they would be if you were trying to win with a young quarterback. Now you've got a four-time MVP instead, but you've got a strong running game, You've got a really good defense, at least on paper, that has been hyped a lot this offseason. Tell me about it, yeah. In theory, good running game, good defense, should be able to help a young quarterback if he had to be the starter. So they were prepared, I think, either way. Mm. Now the question is, how good can their offense be, and how legit will their defense be based on all this hype? Because Aaron Rodgers said it to Pat McAfee the other day, which, if you listen to Tausch and me, We've been saying for a while, they're going to have growing pains early in the season. 
offensively. Yep. That's definitely going to happen. He even acknowledged it to Pat McAfee, which I thought was really interesting. Maybe he's just trying to set the bar low, but I don't know. You can't set the bar much lower than they set it with last year's opener when they lost 38-3. to Yeah, that's what I was about to bring up, Jason, is, is, yeah, they got off to a rocky start, but then they rattled off, what was it, six or seven wins in a row until Rodgers uh, was uh, unable to play due to his uh, COVID diagnosis against Kansas City. So they went on a really nice run after the growing pains, if you will, in week one against New Orleans. I, I do want to ask you one thing, though, Jason, because I think it's been talked about a ton over the course of the last decade and a half, and that was when Favre and Rodgers were in that quarterback room together, their relationship wasn't the best uh, prior to Brett Favre retiring, then unretiring, then leaving Green Bay. As you know it right now, and I know you haven't been able to be as, as close to the team over the course of the last few years due to, due to COVID and the pandemic, but what is the relationship that you know it to be between Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love? So I, I, I'd like the way you phrase that because I think it's important to look back on the Rodgers Favre relationship and to understand a little bit better why you know for whatever foibles we see in Aaron Rodgers these days right I mean there are things about him that uh, many of us myself included have criticized him for different things um, 11 06 his relationship with Brett Favre was not very good yeah uh, Brett Favre did not do a very, and I understand he made the statement, it's not my job to mentor Aaron Rodgers. It wasn't. But it's still your job to be a good teammate. And I think if both of them were drinking Coors Lights together, they would acknowledge that they that Favre was not a very good teammate the first couple of years. They were much better in 07. But what was interesting was that then in the subsequent years when Rodgers was the starter, he never really had a guy, with the exception of 2008 when they drafted Brian Brom in the second round in Rodgers' first year as the starter. They never really had a guy that was going to threaten his job security. He was the guy. And then once we saw Brian Brom and we saw that Matt Flynn was better, <laughs> he didn't worry about Brian Brom either. But So it's very easy to mentor Matt Flynn or Tim Boyle or Scott Tolzien or Kurt Benkert, uh, Kurt Benkert Brett Hundley. Yeah. When it's a first-round pick who's been drafted to theoretically take your job, that's when you show what your character is as a teammate. Now, do I think Rodgers got some looks at Jordan Love in the first training camp and thought, okay, I don't have to worry about this guy? <laughs> I do. I do. I think he did think that. But nevertheless, he still made sure that he wasn't a hypocrite in that way and treated Jordan Love way better than Favre treated him. So I think they've got a really good working relationship. Um, but, I again, I don't think... Rodgers has the same insecurities about Jordan Love as Brett Favre had about Aaron Rodgers. Last thing on the quarterbacks here on the State of the Packers, live from Summerfest, he's Jason William, Alex Strofe. Can Aaron Rodgers win a third straight MVP? Is that realistic? And I know we're, we'll get into the wide receivers and tight ends next. I, I know we're going to go a little bit out of order offensively and how we do this. However you want to do it. I'm just happy to be on this show that we invented in like 2002. With, with Bill Johnson, fellow uh, UW-Stevens Point Pointer. Wow. As me, yeah. I didn't realize it was such a quality radio personality factory. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I so, thought it was UW Oshkosh. Uh, yeah, they're pretty okay, too. But, okay. but, right. but go dogs. Anyway, um, Aaron Rodgers winning a third straight MVP. Is that realistic with, with the offense he has around him? I, 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 think, I think it might be more likely because I think he would be viewed by the 50 voters. I am not one of the voters. How barkish is? Uh, I don't know if he is anymore either. <laughs> Guy's a bum, as uh, Aaron Rodgers. I actually, bum. I actually got along great with him. I didn't have an issue with him at all. But uh, 
I think that he would be, if he puts up similar numbers with this group and they win a bunch of games again, I would think it would strengthen his case as opposed to lessen it because he would be doing it with a cast that obviously does not have one of the best wide receivers in football. And so, again, I think they're going to have growing pains. I, I, I really think it's going to be interesting the first six weeks of the season. And I think it's important to point out, too, this team chose not to accept the bye week after the London trip. And I know every Packers fan is going, oh, it's the Giants are going to win that game. And I agree. But instead of coming home to a bye, they come home to a game against the Jets, yep. and then they have three straight road games. That five-week stretch is going to be really interesting, and whether they can hit their stride offensively during that time and whether the defense has carried them to that point or not. There you go. He's Jason William Alex Strove here on State of the Packers. Breaking news, Jason, our guy, Mr. Nationwide, Gabe Neitzel, on his way, in route. Wow. So we'll have a third member of our crew shortly. What was, an honor. Yeah, what an honor indeed. He, he, he's a big deal. He's coming to he hang is. out with us. I love I love Gabe Neitzel. Excited to see him shortly here as we roll on. We're with you until 2 o'clock. We're live at the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone at Summerfest. Come say hi if you're coming to the big gig, the final day of the big gig, as uh, Jason Wilde even made an appearance. So. Hope you can, too, and you can come say hi to us at the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. We'll talk wide receivers and tight ends, the pass catchers. We'll do it next right here on ESPN Wisconsin. More football talk coming up next. This is the State of the Packers on 94.5 ESPN. It started with a whisper. at Summerfest at State of the Packers right here on ESPN Wisconsin, 100.5 ESPN in Madison, 94.5 ESPN right here in Milwaukee. Alex Strofe, Jason Wilde with you. Gabe Neitzel will join us shortly. And uh, I think it's now time to get to the elephant in the room, Mr. Wilde. Uh, the highlight of the offseason. The fact that Gabe's not here yet? Yes, that's the elephant in the room. Uh, the, the elephant not in the room? <laughs> Mr. Mr. Nationwide, God, similar to deal. Pitbull. He is. He is. So proud to be his teammate. Yeah, yeah, we all are. We're all lucky to have him. And whenever he comes, we look forward to his arrival. No, what's the elephant in the room? Uh, that would be the fact that there's no Devontae Adams yeah, on the Yeah, he's Packers not offense. in the room either. Yeah, no, he's not. He's right. That's he, a problem. He's in a casino in Las Vegas, I think. Yeah, I don't, you know, and obviously we have spent an inordinate amount of time this offseason talking Might about Might be an this. understatement. Um, I, uh, it's one of those things that you'll never forget where you were if you're a Packers fan, especially if he goes on to greatness. Like, uh, nobody's sitting there going, God, I remember where I was when I found out that Greg Jennings signed with the Vikings, right? <laughs> no. But if Devontae Adams keeps playing the way he is and the Packers' offense struggles and Alan Lazard is not up to the challenge and Sammy Watkins is a disappointment and the rookies have typical rookie growing pains, which they're all going to have, yep. um, then you're going to remember where you were. I remember it was Sydney's birthday, March 17th, and we were just playing an indoor soccer game. And I'm just there, you know, in dad mode, watching soccer. And the next thing I know, I get a text from someone in the organization that says, get ready, we're trading Devontae Adams. Wow. To which I said, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> wait, what? Uh, I think I used that emoji, uh, the wait, what emoji? Because, look, I never, I, I didn't, if it was going to happen... I thought it would happen after a long, acrimonious holdout sure. in which he said, I'm not playing for the franchise tag. I told you guys that. Why didn't you extend me last year? And they said, well, too bad. We can't live without you. You're staying on the franchise tag. And, you know, 
as it comes, as it turned out later, and we learned about how he and Aaron Rodgers talked, and Rodgers couldn't promise him more than a year of being on this roster, and that led to them pushing to to, to the trade. Uh, I, I never expected that. Like we presented Devonte Adams with his third, his third Tom Mulhern stand-up guy award. He's the best guy in the locker room or on Zoom. He always took responsibility. He was always great with us. And I even made the wisecrack when we presented him. Well, next year when you win your fourth, hopefully we can present it in person. And I just, I never saw this being the end game. And now that it turned out to be that, and we found out more subsequently about why it turned out to be that, I do think that they are in a position where Aaron Rodgers loves the idea of the challenge. I don't think he's going to love some of the things he deals with without Devontae Adams. Those two knew each other as well, if not better, than Rodgers and Jordy Nelson knew each other. If not better than the way Rodgers knows Randall Cobb. And they're not going to have that. Not with Alan Lazard, even though they spent a lot of time together while they were both unvaccinated and they talked about how they spent more time because that's right. was their status uh not no matter how much time he spends with romeo dobbs or samari toure or christian watson it is going there are going to be frustrations for him and it'll be interesting to see just exactly how he handles them it, yeah the way i view it jason and, and let me know if i'm just crazy with this with this thought but i think this is the most questions a packers offense has had since aaron Rodgers took over in, in 2008. I think that's the last offseason where I remember thinking to myself, oh, I really don't know what this Packers offense is going to look like. You know what you have home run-wise, right? You, you mentioned the running game a bit earlier. You've got probably the best one-two punch in the league in the backfield, and you've got the best quarterback in the league under center coming right. off back-to-back MVPs. Offensive line, don't know what that's going to look like. Wide receiving, who's going to be the leader in the clubhouse? Is there really a number one? We don't know as it stands right now on July 9th. Tight end, same thing. So, I feel like these are the most questions I've had about a Packers offense since Aaron Rodgers took over almost 15 years ago. Yeah, they may be the most questions I've had about a Packers offense since I started covering the team. Which was what? 1996. Okay. So, now, do we look at 2008 and say we probably have more questions because you had Aaron Rodgers that far? Correct. Sure. But... In terms of the entirety of the offense, look, and we'll get to this later, but there's no certainty on the offensive line right now. We don't know what David Bakhtiari's readiness is going to be. I think he's going to play this season. I think there's a little bit of a chicken little, the sky is falling, feeling about him that is not necessarily warranted. But even if he is back, is he going to be as good of a player as he was before? Is there going to be some? Are there going to be flare-ups with him? You know, Tausch talks about putting him on the Chad Clifton, the big Lamborghini practice schedule, where you just bring him out like a Lamborghini for special occasions, like a game each week, and you're not driving him to the grocery store, so he doesn't practice as much. Does that influence how well he plays? But don't forget, we don't know when Elton Jenkins is going to play. Elton right. Jenkins tore his ACL on November 12th. The opener is September 11th. That is nine months and 29 days removed from the injury. They always say 10 to 12 months for a comeback from the ACL, at least for the Packers. And obviously David Bakhtiari is say that, much longer. Yeah, that timeline doesn't really add up. So I agree. Yeah. When you say that, I think you're right. And, and I think it's reasonable, whether you're a Packers fan or a reporter or whoever, to have those questions. And we'll see how they answer. Maybe Alan Lazard answers them with a 1,000-yard season. Maybe Sammy Watkins answers them by completely having a renaissance year and reclaiming his career. 
because he took a lot of ownership about how disappointing his career has been. I respected that about him, that his injury problems have been his fault and that he has not lived up to expectations. That's great to hear. But now you got to prove that you're going to do something about it, and that is his responsibility, and I think he's taking it seriously. He seemed to be. But, again, this is a guy who said, I was sitting on the couch, I thought my career was over. I was getting fat sitting yeah, on the couch. getting fat. Now you've got an opportunity in an offense that is run by a guy that you played for in Los Angeles and is run by a guy who's won four MVPs. This is your opportunity to do something with a, what you admit is a disappointing career. So he could have a big year. Lazard could explode. One of the rookies could rise up unexpectedly because all those other rookies over time did not have the same opportunities that this rookie class will because those rookies all had a number one wide receiver already on the roster. Right. So there's all kinds of opportunity at that position. Are they going to be good enough there? There's opportunity, but as Roger said... He prefers production over potential, and they are a lot of potential, and that includes, to some degree, Alan Lazard, and that even includes Sammy Watkins in a new offense. Somebody has in touch with the team as you are, Jason. Were you surprised that Sammy Watkins was the most outside help they went and got after trading Devontae Adams? Because as a fan, I was. I was surprised, but obviously there's the cap uh, side of things, which all over my head, but... Nonetheless, I was surprised Sammy Watkins, a guy who openly admitted, yeah, I was sitting on the couch getting fat, was the most outside help they went out and got. I, I think he fit their price point, right? A $350,000 signing bonus, that's not very much at all. Um, and he, most of his contract is uh, based on incentives. Look, they might not be done. I mean, again, Julio Jones is unemployed. Julio Jones played for Matt LaFleur in Atlanta is at the end of his career, doesn't have a ring, could play with a four-time NFL MVP. If he wants to keep playing, it still makes the most sense. And then suddenly you've got two guys that are really big names but are not the players that they were when you think of their names now. If you're a fantasy football player, you were drafting Julio Jones early. <laughs> uh, you probably would not be doing that in 2022. So I'm not, I wasn't surprised they didn't do more. I'm not sure they're done. Mm. But it is much more of a Packers movement, and let's be honest with Goody. You know, everyone likes to point to that 2019 free agent class, and with good reason. But he is much more Ted Thompson than he is anybody else. And if you look at the last several years in free agency and the draft, he still believes very much in draft and development. Yeah, but he also has made kind of a living, it seems, the last few years on those low-risk, high-reward moves, right? I think defensively we can point to two obvious examples in Rasul Douglas and Devondre Campbell from a right. year ago. Uh, but there, there's been moves that haven't worked out, like Jalen Smith, right? So I'm curious to see as we approach training camp now, 18 days away from today, Jason, as we sit here at Summerfest, is there another move in in the chamber for Brian Gutekunst that's low-risk, high-reward? And maybe Julio fits into that, but his price point might still be a little bit higher than what I would define as low-risk, high-reward. Sure, and, you know, uh, Will Fuller, I think, is still on the street. Uh, the guy he's had interest in before. The guy that they thought about trading four years ago. So, yeah, there's still possibilities. But, yes, what is he looking for if he's going to add? He's looking for the Razul Douglas of pickups, you know, right? So a guy who, yeah. he was on a practice squad, but, you know, there's another good example of Tyler Davis, the tight end that they picked up uh, after, was it Indianapolis or Detroit cut him last year or had him on their practice squad. Look, 
he, he's, he's got a good chance of being a pretty significant contributor. Another under-the-radar move. And you're right, he has had some good ones. And not all, you're not going to bat 1,000 on those. That's why they're risky. Uh, but that's why they're also low risk in terms of cost. But uh, it, it'll be interesting to see as they go through the first couple weeks of training camp if Brian Gutekunst stands on that sideline and says, hmm, not sure we have enough at wide receiver. I'm not sure these rookies are going to be ready. I'm not sure Juwan Winfrey <laughs> is going to be able to rise up. Maybe he is. Maybe he is. But he's going to have to monitor that, and, and maybe that's when Julio Jones suddenly becomes a lot more appealing when you've seen what you've had from these young guys. Sammy Watkins, does he have a little bit of, at least from my viewpoint, Jason, I feel like he has a little bit of, like, Devin Funchess. I'm scared of another Devin Funchess. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? No, it's very fair. In fact, that's a conversation that, you know, Rob Domofsky, Wes Hodkowitz, Bill Huber, Matt Schneiman, and I were our little, little click on the beats. He, he very well could be Devin Funches 2.0. But he may be something much more than that, too, right? Now, remember, I don't know what Devin Funches would have done for them in 2020. He opted out because of COVID. Right. He had two, I think his aunt and his grandmother died from COVID. He didn't want to, he didn't, wasn't in a place that we wanted to play in terms of mentally. Uh, and we don't know what he would have been last season. Like, he had the unfortunate remark that he made after family night, but, hey, he was the star of family night. Like, he got everyone's attention. Whoa. And and <laughs> I have seen players star on family night and go on to do something significant, like a Tremont Williams, for example. So, you know, would he, if he'd have stayed healthy and not said anything that he said, uh, become a better player? Maybe. But the bottom line is, is that they don't know what they have a wide receiver they they are as uncertain as we are and we'll have to wait and see what they get from the first couple weeks we'll be joined by gabe knight till next segment i want to continue the conversation around pass catchers because there's so much more to dive into there we'll do it next it's the state of the packers live from summerfest on espn wisconsin the green and gold conversation rolls on next on the state of the packers on 94.5 espn is the State of the Packers with Alex, Gabe, and Jason on 94.5 ESPN and WisconsinOnDemand.com. But I'm thinking It's time for a change Get out of your lane Rolling out of State of the Packers live from Summerfest at the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Beautiful day. It's even more beautiful because it's into our trailer. Hi, Gabe. Good morning. Good afternoon, whatever we're at here. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's still good morning out on the West Coast, so it's fine. But, uh, yeah, good afternoon. Good to see you, boys. Uh, Excited to be here. It, it was an honor to listen to you on ESPN National on the drive down. I know that's uh, not true. I, no, it was. <laughs> Look, I, you, you know I think the world of you, uh, and I'm really proud of all the accomplishments you've had, uh, but I don't really care about the Minnesota Timberwolves, so I tuned you out after all that. Right. But. I knew I was going to see you because I knew you would not miss the State of the Packers. No, did not want to miss State of the Packers. Excited. I mean, I can't believe that it feels weird that we're already in the month of July, like a third of the way through July, uh-huh. and we've got training camp at the end of the month. And there are a ton of questions about this Packers team to me heading into the training. So I'm glad I get to talk Packers with you boys for the next hour, 20 minutes. Yeah, we all have questions, and I don't know how many answers we're going to find is the issue because those, those answers, or we won't have answers to those questions for at least another 18 days, if not more. But we do have preseason this year, which is a, a note we haven't brought up yet, which so, is good. Uh, how much are we going to get answers even in the preseason? Is Aaron Rodgers going to play more in the preseason this year? I have a hard time believing that, so I don't think we're going to really get answers until week one 
one week two. Rodgers isn't going to play more, right, Jason? No, I wouldn't anticipate him playing at all. No. Uh, I, again, I think organization-wide, and I was there uh, in a cab uh, fl- flying in the day of the game to Pittsburgh and worrying that I wasn't going to get to the press box on time. I walked in as the national anthem was being played in August of 2015, and on the first or second series, Jordy Nelson's season came to an end. And since that moment, and Goody was not the GM then, but he certainly worked for the organization then, and there was no way that they were ever going to put a key player in peril. So I don't foresee... Aaron Rodgers, I don't care how much they need time with the new wide receivers and tight ends and everything else, I don't see them playing him. I will be very surprised. I think it's going to be the Jordan Love show uh, followed by the Danny Etling show as as Kurt Benkert will be playing video games and looking for another game. Man, Kurt Benkert show getting canceled like that. I just didn't really see him getting replaced by Danny Etling show, but now I'll have to tune in and see (laughs) if the lead-in ratings will actually keep Danny Etling show. You know, kind of yeah, and, and Gabe, you know this, and you've come up to training camp a bunch. I think, you know, Rogers puts so much value in practice. Now, he, I heard him on McAfee this week, kind of poo-pooing the importance of shorts and helmets. That's true. Um, I think there are v- advantages to being there, and quite frankly, Aaron Rodgers saw advantages to being there for a very long time. Chewy loves the term all Oneida. You know, is there value? Yes, but there are guys that can. One of my favorite Packers of all time, Quentin Rollins, could really stand out when he was in shorts and and, and a helmet, but couldn't translate as a second-round pick that success to the field. Right, no doubt. And so uh, training camp will be very important. But again, there are 12 open practices. 12. My first year on the beat, again, not to be old guy here at Summerfest. I remember remember when the main stage was over here. Um, (laughs) They had 54 practices. That's a lot of time wow. to Wait. get a better feel for your team. 54? Yeah. Now, some of them were special teams only, okay. which they right. could use some of those right well, about now. Yeah, let's <laughs> add a couple more of those back. Yeah. Like it's, Please. It was a different era, and, and and I don't think I'm that old. You know, I didn't start working in this business when I was eight like Gabe, which allowed him to have his 20th I thought anniversary he was six. recently. Well, maybe it was six. Six, eight, something. Now he's got a Semantics. beard. It's totally different. <laughs> but I will say this. They, they don't have as much time as Aaron Rodgers made it sound like they have to figure out and work out the kinks and so it's going to be really interesting to see how they structure their practices because i'll say this their off-season program they ran their uh 11 on 11 stuff at a 33 and a third speed if you have an old turntable like it was slow it was not high speed it was not 78 rpm and so it'll be interesting to see what they accomplish during training camp because they have a lot to get a feel for, because I don't think they know the answers. You know, we can stand here and say, well, we don't know the answers. I don't think Matt LaFleur knows the answers either right now. Now, uh, Alan Lazard, I mean, what's realistic expectations? We continue to talk wide receivers here, Jason. I I threw out a jokingly, uh, a joking prediction to you a couple weeks back, Jason. 1,200 yards for Alan Lazard this year. But now that we move on and closer and closer to training camp, I'm starting to think to myself, that might be necessary out of Alan Lazard. I know it's crazy. 1,200 yards is uh, almost 100 yards a week. But somebody's got to catch these passes. Aaron Rodgers threw almost 4,200 yards in the regular season last year. So to look at what we think is a number one guy in Alan Lazard, forced to be a number one guy, is an 1,000-yard season out of the realm of possibility at all? I don't think he gets to 1,000 yards. Like, that's for a guy that has grown to what he is. Like, I, I think Alan Lazard can be a good receiver, but... He had a career-high 513 yards yeah. last year. Right. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Career high. Like had a career yeah. year with with and so for him to go, oh yeah, now you have to double that. That to me seems like a big ask. Whereas you have somebody like Sammy Watkins who has some of the physical attributes, despite some of the injuries that he's had, he still has some of that speed. He still has. It's it's going to be, you know, a, a lot of by committee. But if I had to pick one guy to go over a thousand yards this year, it's Sammy Watkins because he's done it before, and it's not once, somebody once and several years ago. It was several years ago, but I think that's more realistic than a guy to double his production at yeah. this age. It's not like, oh, he's growing from a as you know his first year to his second year. I mean, Alan Lazard, his first couple of years in the NFL, he was on practice squads. The Packers then finally pick him up. He's had some of his own injuries. He's had big games, 147 yards against the Saints a couple of years ago, but I don't think he can sustain that. I don't think Alan Lazard has the physical traits of I can get open all the time enough to get 1,000 yards. And they don't have Devontae Adams drawing that much attention and still catching balls. Remember, and one of the reasons Devontae won his Tom Mulhern Award, during a Zoom call, he had screen-capped these examples of the coverage the Ravens had put on him. And there's one where there's three guys on him. If you're one of the other receivers, great opportunity for you. What was great about Devontae Adams was he drew that much attention and he was still extremely productive. So now you don't have anybody on your roster that commands that kind of attention. So how good is Alan Lazard now that he's the guy that doesn't have the help of a all-time great receiver drawing attention away from him? Yeah, it's a fair point. I'd make the case for rapport, chemistry, and knowing the offense, right? Unlike Sammy sure. Watkins. But yep. does, that add, does that double your statistics from the year prior? Probably not. But like I keep using, the term by force, right? Like... He has to be the number one guy. I don't know what Sammy Watkins has left in the tank. We talked about it as you were rolling in, Gabe. That's a guy that is is total boomer bust opportunity. It's a guy. It could be Devin Funchess, or it could be, hey, we do have a, a thousand yard receiver here. The way they talk about him, though, Jason, like they're very clearly talking about Sammy Watkins. Like he's going to have to do something, and they expect him to be a productive member of this offense. The way that Matt Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers have talked about him during their media availabilities this offseason. Yeah, no doubt. And again, as as I was saying to Alex earlier, you know, I respect the fact that he took ownership of the disappointing nature of his career. I mean, he's he's right. He has been a disappointment, and he owned it. But now he's got to convert that talk about being capable of turning it around to actually doing it. And whether you're Devontae Adams or you're Jordy Nelson or you're Randall Cobb or you're Greg Jennings, there have been plenty of wide receivers that have been productive in this offense, no doubt about it, or with this quarterback, not necessarily with this offense because it's only year four of Lafleur. The bottom line is they are not going to turn into three yards in a cloud of dust. I don't care how much you like Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon and Kylan Hill and Patrick Taylor. They're not going to become a run-first offense. Maybe that's what they ran in 2018 with Mike Vrabel as the head coach of the Tennessee Titans and Matt LaFleur as the offensive coordinator. But they didn't have Aaron Rodgers, a quarterback. They had Marcus Mariota, who was inconsistent and going through his own growing pains. Aaron Rodgers is not going to manage games. He may have a lot more checkdowns than he has had in the past this season, but they're still going to try to throw the football. And to your point, and to the crazy guy that does the show every day from 2 to 4, Uncle Homer. <laughs> he's he's absolutely right. Those targets have to go somewhere. And not only is Devontae Adams and his 168, nine targets gone, but MVS and his 55 targets are gone. Let's not forget that. So now you're talking over 200 targets that have to be repurposed for other people and recycled. Who are going to be on the receiving end of that? 
and I know we haven't talked tons about tight ends as we've gone through this, but the fact of the matter is is that their tight end position is almost as up in the air as the wide receiver position is. We don't know when Robert Tunyon's coming back from his ACL. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers and Mark Tauscher both like uh, Tyler Davis, but we don't know what he's capable of either. Jason, I know you talked about this. I, as I was driving here, I listened. And... Devontae Adams made up for a lot of their shortcomings in the passing game with his relationship with Aaron Rodgers because they could just look at each other and Devontae knew to change his route to whatever that needed to happen. And I think that really made up for a lot of shortcomings in the Packers offense the last couple of years and it made their offense explosive and great. It's just going to have to be different now. And it's it's going to be tough. Like They can't be better offensively Especially early without Devontae Adams. Oh, definitely not early. I mean, the growing pains will be real, like they were against the Saints in Week 1 last year. We'll talk more tight ends. We'll do that next. It's the state of the Packers right here on ESPN, or Wisconsin, rather. More football talk coming up next. This is the state of the Packers on 94.5 ESPN. You're listening to the State of the Packers on 94.5 ESPN and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Back to Alex, Gabe, and Jason. I fell for the devil's daughter. I jumped in, yeah, I drank the water. Tell me, doctor, can you fix my brain? Because everyone is insane. Help me loose this falling chain. The state of the Packers. We're live from Summerfest at the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Alex Strofe, Gabe Neitzel, Jason Wildey with you until 2 o'clock here across ESPN Wisconsin. We're rolling through the questionable offense, the most question marks this offense has had, as I called it earlier, since Aaron Rodgers took over in 2008, if not more question marks this year. And uh, we haven't touched on tight ends a ton yet, and I know Jason... Uh, we wanted to get to that because there are so many questions. Let's start with Robert Tunney. He had a great season in 2020, tore his ACL last year. Where does he stand right now? Is he going to be ready for week one? Should it be, will it be midseason? Will we see him at all? What, 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 what do you know yeah, right now? I think that's one of the highest priority questions that has gone under the radar a little bit this offseason because, and again, I'm, I'm not sure whether or not the David Bakhtiari situation influences how they approach ACLs. But maybe they've taken a harder look at, right, we need to be a little more careful. I don't think they did anything wrong with David Bakhtiari, but, you know, 10 to 12 months. Tunyon tears his ACL on October 28th. So that puts 10 months at August 28th. That's at the end of training camp. So is it likely that he's going to be at the early end? Maybe. But, again, are they going to be extra careful? Because if they are, then you're starting the season not only without Elton Jenkins, but without... Robert Tunyon as well, and while I like the wisdom and experience and blocking ability of Mercedes Lewis, he will admit he is not the pass catcher he once was. That's why Tausch's guy, Smitty, which, again, has nothing to do with his actual name, Tyler Davis may have a huge opportunity, and that's why they need, in his third year, to get more out of Josiah DeGuara than they have to this point. Bingo. Is it bad that I cringed that it took Jason that long to say Josiah DeGuara's name? Because this is a huge season for him. He had the touchdown catch last year against the Vikings, and it just doesn't seem like he's been able to catch on for whatever reason, getting bypassed by Tunyon. And it seems that Tyler Davis, despite DeGuara being the draft pick, being a relatively high draft pick that he was, it seems that the buzz surrounding Tyler Davis suggests to me that he is ahead of DeGuara in the pecking order. 
right now. That's how it looked to me at all the practices we attended, Gabe. And so, you know, does that mean that DeGuara worked with the with the starting group? What they did at practices to get extra reps was that they had, like, the starters and upper crust backups at one end and the rest of everyone else on the other end. And DeGuara was with the starters and the higher-level backups, but it was Tyler Davis and sometimes even Dominique Daphne well. that went in alongside or without Mercedes Lewis. And so, look, this is a guy who has certainly been better than Jay Sternberger was, but has not shown the that's, consistency. That's not praise, by the way. <laughs> as a third-round pick. And, 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 you know, Homer talks about this, but he thinks the world of Goody, except when it comes to picking wide receivers and tight ends. And to this point, Homer hasn't been proven wrong on that. We'll see if Josiah DeGuara can do that. I've never seen Matt LaFleur, lack of a better term, drool over a guy like he has Josiah DeGuara, especially back when he was drafted. Jason, I believe you've told the story. Didn't he show film of Josiah at Cincinnati to the team before they drafted him? He did. So Josiah DeGuara was still playing for the Bearcats, and he had a play that, I don't remember the specifics, but it was in the vein of, this is way before you were born, Don Beebe chasing (laughs) down Leon Lett in the Super Bowl. And, and this idea of effort and always playing to the whistle and beyond. And, and he wanted his players. So he's a rookie head coach. And I think that if you ask some of the veteran players, they would have been like, all right, what's this guy doing? He's showing us film of a guy playing in college. We're professionals. But that indicated how he felt about A, Josiah DeGuara, but also he was coached by one of Matt LaFleur's closest friends in coaching. So they end up making the pick in the third round of him. They were planning on having him have a pretty significant role in 2020 before he tore his ACL in early October. So last year I thought you saw a guy who did not play most of his rookie season uh, and was coming off of an injury. The, the, The opportunity for him to be a major player for them is there. Again, training camp will be vital for him because what we saw in the offseason, he was not the first guy in the lineup. Is there any chance he doesn't make the 53? I don't I, I don't think so. I've had a few people ask me that about Amari Rogers too. You don't give up on draft picks that show at least a little bit, and obviously Amari Rogers didn't show much last year. But the he showed I, what did he show? <laughs> Josiah DeGuara showed some things. I'm talking about Amari. Well, I think Tentativeness he's, he's only in punts? year two. Whereas, uh, um, whereas Josiah DeGuara is in year three. Yes. So he's, if, if, let's put it this way, if Amari Rogers did not show a lot this year and we're having the same conversation at Summerfest next year about him, my answer is probably different. Gotcha. And I say maybe there is a chance. But they're not moving on from Amari Rogers after one year. He is not Jamon Moore. Okay? I don't think he's Jamon Moore. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm okay. pretty sure he's not Jamon Moore. <laughs> we, I don't think we can say that yeah, definitively that at that point. <laughs> but he's not going to be returning punts this year, right? He looked real. Again, Please, you, no. and, and I know you always make fun of me for using the word again, but it's really because I do so many hits on our station. <laughs> you can't keep it on I say all these things a lot. Uh, look, he was absolutely tentative. He was not prepared. He was overwhelmed at times. He admitted that. Much like Sammy Watkins, I thought Amari Rogers did a great job of owning how disappointing he was. And he seems motivated to not be disappointing. He's slimmer, and he. But how do you fix? Wait, so we can't call him Beefy Eight anymore? You can't. Oh. Well, you can. <laughs> I'm not going to. Okay. <laughs> but the biggest question with him is, how do you fix confidence? You fix confidence by having success. He didn't have any last year. He. You want to talk about somebody you want to watch in the preseason? 
He's on the list. Yeah. How does he play in the preseason? While those games may not count, they will go a long way to helping his confidence if he's able to return kicks and punts and catch the football effectively. Dominic Daphne, any chance he doesn't make the 53? I think there's a chance, but, I again, he's a guy that they like. But They're, a lot of it comes down to what they do with... Tunyon, right? He on, if he's yes. on pop, if he's not, on right. PUP, or if they're actually, if he is close at the end of training camp, that they think six weeks is too long to be without him. Right. They could choose to have him inactive for the first couple weeks, and then have him be active. Because if you put him on PUP, you're out the first six weeks. That's automatic. And remember, they don't have an early buy after the Giants game, yep. so that means he's going to miss six games if you do that. So uh, my takeaway from our tight end conversation is Tyler Davis to the Pro Bowl. Yes, that's a good takeaway. You, you. Where did you get that from? <laughs> you about to have a stroke. <laughs> Tyler Dayton. I, I think uh, I think Strofe is just angling for an opportunity to cousin sub with Tausch one day if I miss a day, because then they could just talk about Tyler Davis for three hours. Uh, that's Smitty to you, Jason. Get, get it right. Uh, well, no, I just again my point is here. Somebody has to catch the freaking ball. Right. Maybe, I don't know who's gonna do it. It's freaking me out. Guys. Maybe yeah. Well, that's the problem. Maybe doing the show was a mistake because yeah. it's just gonna make me even more nervous. About about the upcoming Packers I season than I that. already was. I do that to you a lot. <laughs> uh, I, I feel bad that I make you feel that way. but No, you don't. Uh, we haven't even gotten to the offensive line and then the overrated defense that everyone's talking about how great they are. Overrated? But they're over-talked about. Yes. Overhyped? Overhyped. And in, in the case of Mina Kimes, overrated. Yeah, okay. I'm okay with that take. Uh, Mina Kimes, of course, listing them as the number two defense. Yeah. I do too, but uh, that's, that's high you praise. You disagree with her. High price. She's okay with that. Yeah, I, I bet she is. All right, we'll talk offensive line. We'll put a bow on the offense. We'll also get into uh, the overhyped defense. That's Better next word. hour two in State of the Packers live from Summerfest.